Deep pattern downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, and each and every day, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got another busy one for you guys, another training camp practice to recap. We're going to hear from Will Fuller, Tua Tungavailoa, Jerome Baker. We're going to break it all down play by play, get you top performers. No matchup of the day today, but we have plenty to come for you on this training camp edition of the Drive Time Podcast from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. You've got to love August. I honestly feel like these shows are 30 plus minutes of drinking Miami Dolphins information through a fire hose, and my pace certainly accentuates that point. But even after the Monday episode, that those episodes get a lot of hours put into them, a lot of thought put into them, as usually after I finish post-game work on a typical Sunday night, this time it was Saturday night after the preseason game, and when I clock out, and I say clock out with air quotes, I still go back into football mode. I'm looking up pro football focus stats. I'm re-watching the game two or three times to get some notes I didn't cover on the previous podcast. Just taking your passion, what you love, and turning it into a job has its benefits because even when you're not working, you're kind of always working. And so with that, I find a way to, during those 36 hours or so between podcast episodes, come up with a bunch of content for the podcast. And the reason I'm saying this is because all the information that goes into that, here we are barely 24 hours later, and we have a lot more to get to on another podcast, including a practice in front of a relatively small crowd at the Baptist Health Training Complex. And it was not interrupted by terrible weather, although it seemed for a moment it could have been interrupted because the weather was not great out there. Let's go ahead and start with the news from Tuesday as the Dolphins trimmed the roster down to 80 players. First, offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor and wide receiver Isaiah Ford were released from the Dolphins roster. And Robert Foster received a waived-slash-injury settlement after suffering an injury last week in practice. Lynn Bowden goes to the injured reserve. Lynn Bowden Jr., the draft pick of the Raiders last year, traded to Miami in September. And just so you guys are clear on the rule here, on injured reserve, if a player goes on IR before the 53-man roster has been finalized and officially announced, then that player is out for the entire season. He is not eligible for the return back to the active roster. Now, anybody else who goes on IR post 53-man announcement, those players can return back to the roster after a minimum of three weeks on the injured reserve. And there's also no in-season PUP this year either. So some changing rules. I feel like the rules were the same for decades of covering the NFL. And last year with COVID, we had some new rules come in, and now the NFL is kind of finding its way to modify some of the rules they had, and I think for the better here. So good on the league for taking care of that stuff. But that's that's what it is. Lynn Bowden goes to the injured reserve. We also had a walkthrough on Tuesday that doesn't bring you a podcast episode, but there are some leftover media availability notes that I definitely want to cover. And I know I typically build these into the story of the show somehow, and that's obviously my preference to give you a great podcast. 
but that's just not going to be the case today because the notes just don't quite coincide with the practice notes. And so I start here with Will Fuller and a couple of quotes he had at his first media availability of training camp coming back and practicing for the first time since day one when he left with the leg injury. And that's exactly why I wanted to play his audio because although he's not been on the field going through the reps with the team, he has been on the field taking those mental reps and soaking it all in. So here he is talking about the value of having those reps and hearing the calls from Tua. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's one of the most important things for me, just hearing a play call from Tua in the huddle. You know, uh, I've been sitting in meetings, I've been hearing it in the meetings, but it's different when you're out there and you actually got to go to your spot. So um, like, 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 uh, like he asked me earlier, just knocking that rust off with hearing a play from him and just playing fast, you know, it's going to be a fun year. And the relevance of that quote was relevant today as well because Tua Tungavailoa talked about getting guys back and the chemistry, but also how those guys were able to get reps when they weren't on the field practicing. Hey, it's good to have all our guys back out here. Um, you know, to be able to work some timing and, um, you know, get some work in with them. But I think the just them being able to get back into the huddle, hear calls, get out, know where they're lining up at, um, you know, and then executing with them. I think that's very important. And then I want to go back to Will Fuller here, who touched on the game Saturday night when he was asked about what intrigues you most about the offense. And he obviously watched the game and saw what Mike Gesicki and Miles Gaskin and the rest of the crew did. And here he is talking about the distribution of the football on the offense. Yeah, I like we, we get the ball around to all, all the guys, you know, um, just watching the games. Uh, Miles had a day. Uh, Mike had his day. Uh, you know, some of the younger guys were, were catching touchdowns. So we, we spread the ball out a lot. So uh, it's one ball. So it's, it's going to be fun playing with all these guys around here. Yeah. And I want to play a couple more sound clips for you guys here because there was plenty of good media the last two days. And Jason McCourty is a guy that, you know, he talks about his role and his leadership and the serving mentality he has in terms of his impact on younger guys on his team around the league and what his role is with his football team and how you fully embrace whatever that role might be. I just love hearing him articulate thoughts so much. I want to go here to Jason McCourty, but first he did touch on food allergies and he actually stepped up to the podium and gave a statement to start off talking about National Food Allergy Awareness Day and how the Dolphins and he have partnered with FAR and FARE, I should say, an organization that does a ton of work for food allergies. His young daughter has severe food allergies, so he talked about a year in Cleveland when his daughter had butternut squash, but there was salmon on the plate, and he referenced Will Smith in the movie Hitch. If you recall in that movie, when his face just blows up from the allergy that he has, he said the same thing happened to his daughter's lips. So I can only imagine the fear on a father's, uh, on his face, on his reaction and everything that he does with a young daughter having going through that. I can't even imagine dealing with anything happening to Caroline ever. So I can imagine the frustration and fear there for Jason McCourty. But back to the football side of things, he talked about the leadership role and taking a guy like Javon Holland under his wing and I just thought it was a great answer. So let's go ahead and play the audio here from Jason McCourty on Tuesday. Nah, it's not hard. And I would say no, because uh, I can remember the specific guys my rookie year uh, that poured into me. You know, Cortland Finnegan, who was here, uh, Chris Holt, Vinny Fuller. Uh, so many guys kind of took the time to pour into me. and They were all defensive backs as well, and we were all competing. So for me, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm a, it's a blessing. I'm blessed to just be able to be here my 13th year, whether my role is prominent and I'm playing every play of the game or whether my role is 15 plays here or five plays there, uh, whatever it is. 
is. I'm fortunate to be able to be out here. And I think as an older player, you realize that no matter whether you want to help a guy or not, that's the natural progression. And uh, a young player that can play ball and knows what he's doing, he's going to find his way on the field. So uh, I think it, what makes it easy is just the type of player and the type of person Javon is, man. He's very serious about his job. He's very serious about football. He puts in uh, a ton of work, not only physically out here, but mentally making sure he's knowing what to do, knowing his checks. So it's been a ton of fun kind of joking and getting to know him and help him along on the football field. Great stuff there from Jason McCourty. And another prominent leader on this football team is a player nearly a decade, Jason Jr. And Jason had a funny comment at his presser as well about his birthday when we were up in Chicago. And Jalen Waddell, the bright-eyed rookie out here in Miami, wished him a happy birthday and asked, how old are you, J-Mac? And J-Mac says, 34. And Waddle responds, damn! <laughs> I feel you on that, J-Mac. For someone turning 34 in October, I feel you. But... Back to that young, prominent leader I talked about. It's Jerome Baker, Dolphins linebacker. And I had a chance to ask Jerome at the start of his press conference about the Haiti earthquake relief efforts that he has partnered with North Miami and taking care of some of that. And he helped out last week. I asked him about that. Here's Jerome on the Haiti earthquake relief efforts. Uh, it meant everything. You know, tomorrow's the last day to get donations in. And, uh, you know, they need supplies as far as paper towels, um, you know, women products, uh, toothpaste, toothbrushes, all the little things, you know, we take for granted. They need it. So uh, tomorrow's the last day, and it meant so much for me to partner up and uh, just be a part of that. And, man, Jerome is such a gem, man. Defending the homeland down here in not only South Florida, but surrounding and neighboring counties and cities and even countries in this instance. And he also does his part to lead a defense that's looking pretty damn good so far. This training camp, especially today, and a reporter asked Jerome, about the process of playing a single play at the linebacker position. And he talks about it, but the part I want to really focus on here is the anticipation and communication towards the end of his answer. I mean, it's a, it's a lot that goes into it. Uh, first is the call, then it's, um, you know, you see what the offense is giving you, uh, then you make your checks. You kind of just, you want to communicate as much as possible because you never know if it's, uh, you're reminding somebody else what they got or you're, you know, reminding somebody that look out for this and, it all, you know, you got to have anticipation. That's how you make plays. And just that communication, you know, that, that's the key to, you know, a great defense. So uh, we, we definitely put an emphasis on that. Communication leads to anticipation, which leads to big plays. I thought that was so smart and so well said there by Jerome, who does his part to not only have the speed to get to spots on the football field, but also the mental capacity and preparation to put him in position to make play after play after play like he does. We also had Brian Flores, Dolphins head coach, meet with the media on Tuesday, and the assistant coaches were available on Monday. You guys can find that content up on the team YouTube page. Let's go ahead and get some of the practice notes here. The thing you all come for, these, these training camp reports on the Drive Time podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast if you can for us. really helps us out. We appreciate that. But the first note of practice is that the weather, eh, it wasn't great today. So I wanted to ask Tua because we're kind of watching this hazy dusty practice throughout the day and I'm sure the eyes the line of sight wasn't great but just throwing the football into the wind I wanted to ask too if there's a different change in approach you take with that here's QB1 well I think I think the wind plays a factor um you know when when you're throwing into the wind uh you got to be able to cut it if not you know the wind's going to take it 
Uh, but I think it's good work uh, to, to be able to throw with and against the win. So. so pretty short and sweet there from QB1, but the Dolphins have had their opportunities to work in the wind and the rain as well. The only thing we need down here in South Florida we haven't got yet is some snow, but I don't think I'll hold my breath on any of that. But the fun part of the wind was when Jason Sanders was kicking into it. He had a kick from 48 yards that hit about three quarters of the way up the kicking net, which is located 10 yards beyond the goalpost. And then he had a 53-yarder doink off the top of the upright, like the very top up by the flags. It almost cleared that damn thing, so he was booting that, that football. Attendance at practice today was looking pretty good. Devontae Parker back out there in the red non-contact jersey. Will Fuller was out there, although he did not go through any of the team period of practice. Brandon Jones was back out there as well. Great to see him after a couple of weeks down. No Javon Holland, no Albert Wilson, no Adam Pankey, no Javaris Davis, and no Seathan Carter. We start here with the individuals at the quarterback position. And it just wasn't their day. Let's just put it that way. It wasn't the offense's day in general. Tua made a nice, a few nice throws, most notably a crosser to Kirk Merritt that he laid out to a spot and Merritt ran right underneath it for a big play. Something we've been talking about here a lot on this podcast and a tweet I sent out on Tuesday, I think it was, about Tua's ball placement and putting the ball out in front of guys so they can catch it and get upfield and transition from route runners to ball carriers, and that produced 101 yards after the catch per pro football focus in that game on Saturday night. And that's just off of Tua's throws. doesn't include Brissett or Sinnott. Same type of deal where the ball just does not slow the receiver down at all on this particular throw to Kirk Merritt. He takes it up and maybe had a huge gain on that particular throw. I think the wind was most obvious besides the kicking game on two passes. And the first one was from Tua, trying to get the ball to Devontae Parker, who was behind Nick Needham un- for the underneath coverage. And then he was below the coverage up over the top from the safety. And the ball sails right over Needham's reach and was on target. But Parker elevated it just a hair too early and couldn't hang up enough because the ball hung up that extra quarter of a second. And you could just tell it kind of changed up the timing and the, the timing of Devontae's jump and the timing of the ball from Tua. So it had an impact. Then later on a ball from Jacoby Brissett to Malcolm Perry, that was actually completed, he chucked this thing downfield, but it came kind of back into his face and fell right into Malcolm Perry's arms over the top of his shoulders. It was the best pass of the day, the best offensive play of the day, but it was tough sledding otherwise. I actually saw Jacoby get visibly frustrated at one point at practice, kind of clapping the hands and, and you know just showing some frustration with the lack of offensive success. The running backs had a ton of success early, in the first period, Miles Gaskin had an awesome run where he pressed it outside, then hit the brakes and cut that thing right back inside and shot through the gap and came out the other side, Andy Dufresne style. And that would have been a big gainer. Plus, he continues to catch like a billion balls every single day. He is so productive. I thought Malcolm Brown had a nice day in his own right. He had a couple of nice lanes open up where he took advantage. And Patrick Laird had a couple of good runs too later on in practice. But One of the early Gaskin runs saw a absolutely crushing block by Carl Tucker, who comes across the formation, squares up a block on Jalen Phillips and digs him out of there to create space for Malcolm Brown to get a big run, or excuse me, for Miles Gaskin to get a big run. And the offensive side of the football erupt in a celebration after that play. You could hear the pads popping. Not a very big crowd today. I I don't know if it's the end of camp. We've seen a couple of preseason games now. Maybe it's just a Wednesday afternoon at noon, but whatever the case may be, not the largest crowd here at the Baptist Health Training Complex. Up to the offensive line. Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and get to the receivers and tight ends 
though that's not a long list either because, again, there just wasn't a whole lot going on for the offense. But Hunter Long had a nice seam buster from Jacoby Brissett during team drills. He continues to show crafty work to get open. I think that's one of the things that stands out the most about Hunter Long. And we'll do a podcast next week recapping camp and preseason where I talk about some of the traits I think each of these guys possesses. But with Hunter Long, the little nuance in his game to create separation, knowing where to get the arms and the hands and how to how to lean into guys and not push off, but also kind of push off a little bit. And I think the attention to detail carries over into his work in the blocking game as well because you so frequently see him, at least from my eyes, use the technical fundamentally sound techniques that you need to excel in that area. The hands and the feet are hardwired together because as we all know on this podcast, if those two things are not in sync, eh, you're going to have a bad time. So that was a good look from Hunter Long. At receiver, Kirk Merritt, he continues to make his case for this football team. He caught a bunch of balls and did it all over the field, deep, intermediate, short, whatever you want. And I think you can really see his positional versatility showing up here And he's been able to slip tackles and gain yards after the catch, just like we saw on Saturday night. That little jerk route, catch the thing over the middle, take off for an extra 15 yards after the reception. Jalen Waddle caught the ball well today. I thought Malcolm Perry had a really nice day, including the deep ball we talked about earlier. And honestly, that's all I've got for the notes on the pass catchers. The reason I wanted to save the offensive line stuff was because I had some notes in the one-on-one drills that occurred during the seven-on-seven period, the good old pit drill. But first, I thought... Austin Jackson had one of the best days up front. I got a good look at him in one-on-ones, and he's really showing growth in the balance and maintaining momentum that coincides with the defender in that he's not getting overset and then drifting back away from the quarterback out of the play, and he's not getting out over the skis, falling forward in front of your quarterback either. It allowed him to redirect and thwart a secondary pass rush move back on the inside from Jalen Phillips. I thought that was good work there from Austin Jackson. You might recall this offseason, we had Brandon Thorne on the podcast, an offensive line film guru, and he basically talked about what the offensive line, defensive line needs to be, and he, you know, he said the idea is to get the offensive line's momentum going one direction and then snap it off the other way and get them off balance, and so I thought it was impressive he was able to kind of show growth in that area in this practice and so far through training camp. He and Solomon Kinley opened a couple of those lanes on the nice runs we talked about early in practice, and Dieter had a hand in that as well. I thought Matt Skura got some nice push in the ground game, and I thought Liam Eichenberg had some good work out there as well. And here are my notes in those one-on-one pass rush drills. Jackson wins with a sturdy anchor on a Van Ginkle rush. Emmanuel Ogba powers through Davis, pushed him right into the quarterback, and then the second note on that was he did the exact same thing again a second time. Zach Sealer had a wicked move on Robert Hunt that left Rob kind of like the Jacoby Brissett thing I talked about, giving himself a pep talk, clapping the hands together, come on, I got this. And he just swiped those hands away and left Robert at the line as he went to the backfield. And then Raekwon Davis did a similar sidestep and swipe on Michael Dieter to get around him. And then Christian Wilkins, we're going to talk about him in just a moment, but he took Solomon Kinley for a ride on the next rep. It was like one after the other. These guys just showing their way through. And those defensive linemen... We're going to talk about that here in just one second, but then we get back to the outside and Jackson wins another rep where he locks down Jalen Phillips, who I mentioned earlier tried to counter inside, but nothing doing on that one. And then Phillips comes back on a rep later and gets a nice pass rush around uh, Larnell Coleman for a win. And then Greg Little has a nice, I put block out the sun type of rep on Andrew Van Ginkle, where he just kind of swallowed him up whole. He's a big guy with a big frame. Onto the defense. I mentioned Christian Wilkins. I sometimes 
think this front four, not front four, the four interior defensive linemen might kind of cannibalize itself a little bit in terms of the recognition they get from whether it's fans, local media, national outlets. But the nice part is I don't think any of them will give a damn. I just I want to start with Christian here because I think he's had, for my money, one of the top five training camps of anybody out here. And again, we're going to have a podcast where we go over this stuff here in the upcoming weeks. But the quickness off the ball looks like it did at Clemson to me. And I'm talking about showing out like you're playing against college players. But he's also been so very powerful at stacking and deconstructing blocks as he kind of analyzes the players with his eyes, then uses the physical prowess and the powerful lower half and the quick hands to disengage off those blocks. And his teammates and the way they perform will only help him do that, in my opinion a teammate like Zach Sealer, who I just, I don't see him surrender knockback ever in practices, ever. And the best part about it, on top of his constant penetration, is that he can line up at the five technique and win with an outside rush and beat your left tackle or right tackle. Then he can condense inside to the three tech or even over the nose and stack up a double team and prevent the run inside from going anywhere. We've seen him do it in games plenty of times. He's a freaking beast. Zach Sealer's a beast. So is Raekwon Davis, who just rarely loses one-on-one chances. You have to double that guy most of the time. His length stands out every day. I think he's really learned how to control his wingspan and that frame and keep guys out of that frame in the running game and simultaneously using those long vines that are arms to toss people around as a pass rusher. He's been so impressive too. And so has Adam Butler, Mr. Consistency, Mr. Do-It-All, Mr. Leader of the Room. I cannot say enough good things about Adam Butler, and today he was clogging up traffic once again, and he does so much for the different games and stuff the Dolphins run up front. I thought Benito Jones had a sturdy day holding the point, same with John Jenkins, and that's all to say that this group, I think, is just as deep, if not deeper, than the receiver position on this football team. Outside, Tyson Render had a fantastic rep on a rundown where he stacked the edge and worked his way back inside to make the stop on a tackle. I thought Jalen Phillips had some nice moments today. He got around the edge towards the end of the team period where he swiped Coleman's hands and flattened that thing into the quarterback. Man, he can really corner. Ogba, man, what a beast. That's the word of the day, apparently, but he was a beast out there again today. He had one rep. It was the Xavier Howard interception where he was double teamed by the tackle and the guard, and then here comes the back to chip him, but nothing would slow him down. He pushes the pocket through three guys. I think he probably had a sack, but if not, he forces a quick throw that was tipped and picked off and taken back to the house for six. So a big day for Ogba once again. I talked to Austin Clark on Monday, who said he thinks that Ogba has expanded his pass rush arsenal this year after his first year in Miami, which was a really damn good season in 2020 with nine sacks and something like 60 QB pressures. But Ogba continues to look the part. And speaking of Clark, I just really enjoy watching him coach guys up. He gets in there and really focuses on the technique and doing things the right way, the way that we teach it. And the whole staff does that. But the sleds they work on are right in front of us, so I had a chance to watch them more than anybody else. And you can hear him during the individual drills really liking what he's seeing and I can't blame him based upon what we see during the team periods. At linebacker, Shaquem Griffin told reporters after practice that he believes this has been the best camp of his career. And I didn't see him in Seattle, obviously, but he's had a very strong camp, and he made some nice plays today. I know that this guy's been back for a little while now, but Elandon Roberts really made his presence felt on Wednesday. He's such a tough dude and a tone setter and just a, a bamf, a badass 
MF. I mean, what else can you say about him? He had what was the biggest pop I've heard in all of training camp when he met Jordan Scarlett head up in a gap in the team period on a running play, and wham! You could just hear that thing all the way up in the stands, and of course, the play finishes at the point, and he lands and was chirping and barking over at the offensive side. I don't think you can quantify his value and what he brings to this defense. In fact... Jerome Baker talked about that in his post-practice media. Let's go to 55. Oh, it was amazing. You know, he always bring the energy, so uh, he definitely bring that. And I'm, I'm just happy to him to be back and be back healthy. So, uh, you know, it's definitely great to have him back. So there he is talking about Landon Roberts, and Jerome had a day in his own right. You noticed him early in some of the 7-on-7 seven seven work, just getting depth, passing off, communicating with his safeties and corners out there. Really sound job being in good position and showing off the play speed, both physically and through his anticipation that we talked about earlier on the podcast. I just wrote in here, Jerome is a real one, man. He's he's one of those guys, those glue guys you need on your football team. So you probably heard about Trill Williams' interception today. Pretty cool moment. He kind of boxed out the receiver against the sideline on a Jacoby Brissett pass to Malcolm Perry, elevates and grabs it at its highest point, and his teammates mobbed him, and then the celebration was on from that point both for the team on the field and the guys on the sideline on that Dolphins defensive sideline. But the coolest part of the story, I thought, practice was at 12.05 today. It was at 12.15. So I was out there a little bit earlier than I wanted to be. And when I was out there, I saw one player working with Chuck, with Coach Burks, and it was Trill Williams. And he was drilling technique, working on the jam, stuff like that. And he also went through some ball skills during uh, drills, high point in the football, trying to pull those things down. And I thought that was kind of cool to see him out there putting in the extra work and then having it pay off for him in that team period of practice. That's obviously what you look for. And Williams, a great example of that today. And just a cool moment for me to see that kind of go from one moment to the next. Speaking of big days, Xavier Howard, who boy, what a day he had. He was everywhere, picked off two passes, was in tight coverage on Jalen Waddle a few times, which that just has not been the case all training camp long and one of the picks went back for a touchdown he then finger rolls that thing up over the goalpost. I asked Gerald Alexander about getting those guys up and running him and Byron Jones with just a handful of preseason reps and he said the way they practice is what gets them ready we definitely saw that today there was a drill in the individual period of practice where it's we talked about this before trail technique cornerback underneath you play on the court on the receiver's downfield shoulder back to the quarterback because you have help over the top. And we've seen X run that exact look and get so many picks on that play because he just runs the routes for the guys. We talked about Jerome Baker anticipation playing under those crossers where he baits quarterbacks into thinking they might have a window. And it's a small gamble because a perfect throw will toast you. If, it, if the ball's perfectly located up over the top, you catch that thing, turn it up, and it's a big play. But it's a very, very hard play to make. And if you have, let's call it a 5% throw, and that's just a random number I'm throwing out there, and there's also a 5% chance of an interception, or probably even more than that because the mistake that's either behind or low is going to get picked with Xavier Howard's ball skills. Man, you put yourself in a position to really mess up opposing passing games. So I thought we saw more of that in that drill. It's kind of cool to see that thing carry over. And then just kind of watching Noah Igbenogany in that drill. It's all the physical talent in the world, but I just noticed not really he's reacting more than anticipating in that And I think he'll get there, but it's just going to take some time for him to grow and develop into that role. And with Byron Jones, he also had himself one hell of a day. 
The coverage was tight all practice long, deep, working inside, outside, across the field, whatever you want to call it. And I've been really fond of his work in the running game, uh, a very underrated aspect of playing cornerback we don't talk about very much. But he does such a good job of staying on the outside shoulder, on those outside runs of the receiver. And today he got around there, back into the backfield, and punched it out of Savon Ahmed's grasp. He put his fist right on the NFL logo on the Duke, perfectly done. Nick Needham got himself a couple of pass breakups, kind of in the story of camp for him. He continues to look sharp and shows growth and improvement. What a fine Nick Needham has been out of UTEP. Justin Coleman, too, he was involved a lot in that strong coverage that was forcing the quarterbacks to hold the ball and eventually just kind of eat it because there were more than a few instances where the pass pro was good, but the coverage was just too good to do anything with it. And I thought the safety play to kind of cap this all off, it's hard to quantify these guys when you don't have ball production because they're just running around out there and and stopping things from happening, but the ball doesn't go towards them because if the ball doesn't get thrown, then they did their job most of the time, you know, traditionally speaking. But I mean, the whole defense was really, really good today, and the safeties were too. And maybe part of that was knowing that you had a 12th defender deep in that wind that was pushing everything back to the quarterback. I mean, at one point, Michael Pilardi, just to kind of set the scene for you guys here once again, was trying to cut the wind with his punts, and he was hitting footballs like he does, sky high, and they would suspend up in the air and then by the time they hit the ground, they are moving back towards Michael Pilardi, so going back in the direction from whence they came. And I tracked one punt that went less than 20 yards, so you get the idea here on the impact. Like, that's more than half the punt being wiped out. But still, Jason McCourty and Eric Rowe, who had a sack, a pass breakup, and a fantastic rep on Mike Gesicki, who tried to get on top of him, but Rowe just stayed step for step and prevented Mike from even having a chance at making a play on this pass from Tua. But also Jamal Perry, Clayton Fedulum, Nate Hawley, Nothing got deep all day except for that one pass from Brissett to Perry, but that was kind of a whole shot to a, on a cornerback off to the side. Let's go ahead and finish up with our top performers since there is no matchup of the day, and that's going to be the last of the matchups of the day, guys. The practices just don't call for it anymore, so no more matchup, matchup, matchup of the day. That's the last one you're going to hear. Xavier Howard was fantastic today. Ball skills, playing underneath the coverage, just did it all once again. Miles Gaskin, some big runs, caught the football plenty. Kirk Merritt continues to make plays with whichever quarterback he's working with. Carl Tucker had a nice couple of blocks in the running game. Raquan Davis, just a physical specimen that continues to get pressure. Eric Rowe, good coverage. He had a, a would-be sack at one point, also in the running game. Byron Jones punching things out. The good coverage in the back end. Really Miami's entire secondary. Christian Wilkins, I talked about him already, but just the burst that he's showing and the, the impact he's having. Can't wait to watch him on Sundays. Malcolm Perry caught a bunch of passes, including that deep one over his shoulder. He gets in there. Zach Sealer, we talked about it, just dominant every single day, it seems. Landon Roberts, the physical presence, the tone setting, that big hit. You have to get on the list with that. And then Trill Williams, too, the interception and the good coverage. Last note here on the podcast, hard knocks. I thought episode three was a lot better than two because I appreciate them clearly taking my advice and going back to the guys who are bubble boys on the roster and the storylines of those guys. That's the most intriguing part about Hard Knocks for me every single year. I always appreciate that. And I thought, you know, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the card game with Zach or Zach with Dak and Zeke and the equipment guy. I liked the fact that that fourth generation Cowboys employee was a part of the story because he that was just an awesome story. They called him Cowboys royalty because his father's father's father worked for the Dallas Cowboys and they continued that trend all the way down to him. And of course, the drone sequence, very, very cool. If you have not seen it, I'm sure it's on social media by now. And if not, you can just watch the first five minutes of episode three. All right, that 
It's going to be my time. Caroline, daddy is coming home. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.